Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before today's very special bonus episode. Guys, it's official. The Film Alchemist are on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Pod. Guys, that's the best way to help support the show. Show your love for the show uh, for as little as a dollar a month. You can get in and join our community. Start to hang out with us, do some fun stuff. For just a couple extra dollars as you climb the tiers, you begin to get to curate the show that you want. You pick movies, we cover them. No questions asked. Any movie, we'd have to see what you would have to pick to test us. But that's the theory right now. So guys, it's been an awesome experience. The community's really great. We appreciate so much those of you who already support us. And for those of you who feel like joining again, that's patreon.com slash pod. It helps us out a lot, guys, and we thank you in advance. Make sure you leave us a rating and review. That's a free thing you can do to help wherever you find the show, guys. Five stars, a couple sentences about why you like us. Helps us defeat the algorithmic witches of our lives, you know, and find more uh, people to bring into the party. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of most of our pods there, along with some other fun projects we're always cooking up. Uh, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Or find us on all the social media you're on. That we're very easy to get a hold of. We love to hear from you guys. So reach out whenever you want. We'll, you'll find us, I promise. All right, enough of the business. I know you guys are very excited. Today, we are discussing the second uh, film in the Fear Street trilogy from Netflix. This is Fear Street 1978. And we're fortunate enough again. Of course, we were joined by our friend, writer-director, Josh Lobo. He made uh, I Trapped the Devil. Another movie we've covered on this podcast, and we absolutely adore. You should definitely go pay for I Trap the Devil and thank us later. All right. Well, we were lucky enough to have Josh. Josh is just such a fun, interesting guy. He has a lot of insight into the movie making business and process um, and just a real love for movies, man. So every time we're lucky enough to get a talk to Josh, I think it makes us all happier to be there and be talking movies, man. This one was a real a real fun conversation. We really got into the weeds of where we are in this film, what we thought about the film and some of its choices. Uh, spoiler alert, we all like 1978 really well. Uh, them more than me, but you'll hear us battle about it. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really in for what Fear Street's doing. We're hoping Josh will be back with us next time. Um, but just in case he's not, if this is all we've got, we'll always have that summer in 1978 at camp. So enjoy our conversation with the incredible Josh Lobo about the very good Fear Street, 1978. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Our friend, writer-director Josh Lobo. Welcome back, man. Welcome, me and them hang out with Sonny Souljack. Still got the background game tight for those of you on YouTube. <laughs> Just setting a strange hard tone here at the start. All right, guys, we are back uh, again <laughs> to talk about part two of the Fear Street trilogy, uh, Fear Street 1978. We begin where we left off, and then we take a jaunt back in time, uh, which is very fitting this month to... Summer Camp 1978. Uh, things are still not great between Sunnyvale and Shady Side. Josh, why don't you start us off? What was your opening? Yeah, you and your 
dead sibling. Why don't you start <laughs> us off on uh, your opening thoughts on this edition of Fear Street? Oh man, I, it's it's so crazy because like I've been I've been seeing so many people sort of. It feels like collectively people are a little bit more down on this one than the previous one, but this one was way more my speed than the first one. I also think this one was like a considerably better made movie than the other one, like pacing needle drops i i still yeah lee janik has never met a needle drop that she didn't like but like at least at least like with this one you know they're they're like they're spaced out they're not like on top of each other yeah i agree with that I, i just felt like this one felt more like like the pacing was right with this one and it just it just felt like things were sort of progressing in a normal way and i, I just i'm always gonna get down for just like relentless like child murdering that's just, <laughs> just just like the most just mean-spirited and like by the end of it i was just like give me more like i just want like there, co- there comes a point where you like know there's not going to be any more child murdering and that's i was at that point i was like well fuck, that's man. when I'm you're like, the most depressed yeah 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 <laughs> i no, for uh... sure I, I agree with you, though. I think this one is a more streamlined movie. But I, I think I'm in the majority, I guess. I actually thought this one was a bit of a step down. And I think part of it was, it was kind of twofold, right? Is one, it felt very much like it had the middle child syndrome of, they knew this one was the bridge to the big finale, right? Yeah. So a lot of it felt like it was playing on that. And secondly, I think this movie kind of slipped where Fear Street uh, 94 excelled. I thought the characters were garbage in this one. I didn't like, I was like, who do I care about? Who am I rooting for? The dialogue was very repetitive at times, right? They did that. Remember when we had fun snitch? I think I had a tally and I was like 85, 86. Like how many times (laughs) do we have to do that same line? But again, right. It kind of had the same experience as fear street 94 with me where I wasn't digging it at the start. And then as it starts to unfurl, once they got into the witch's mark bit, right? The underground tunnel area. I thought the movie really took off and I found myself enjoying it quite a bit. Alex, you had a reverse experience with 94 than we did, right? You were more in on the start than the end. How did you feel about uh, 78? I actually had a very similar experience to Lobo. Uh, This was my speed, man. I loved it. I thought it was like it was... And I, I actually disagree. I got to push back. I thought I was actually with the characters for a lot of this. Like they, it, I, it hit it hit me all the same notes. Like fucking sunny. I thought. Z- I mean, I love. I mean, I love that girl who plays Ziggy. Like she's a fantastic actress. Um, yeah. but like just in general, I, I thought that the speed with which it moved was better. It didn't have that same lag sort of that I felt for myself in '94. I actually thought like right around there was a great, like once they got into the caverns, it was like, Oh shit, this is like, this is going places. Like, I feel like we're really getting somewhere finally. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, yeah, they're all fucking idiot teenagers. So like, of course you're not going to root for like anybody who's like fucking instead of watching children. Like that is like, I think that's like, first off, that's your first assumption. That's wrong. (laughs) I'm always rooting for fucking (laughs) child rearing. Secondly, I I know that's not true. I I understand what you're, (laughs) How dare you? First off, I understand <laughs> what you're saying, though, right? Like, if you go back to Friday the 13th, right? Like, one of the the yeah. top-tier slashers, right, that invented the genre. It's not like they're well-drawn characters or they're laid out no. well. I think the problem with this one is they tried to double-dip, right? Instead of just giving us the archetypes, right? Boom, boom, boom. Here are your people who are going to get killed, right? I felt like the problem was a bit twofold. Is one, 
it's people that I just don't, I didn't feel the charisma or the connection, right? And they have to all do their, like, long monologue about, well, my mommy worked third shift, right, to give us, you know, extra gravy because we had no food. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to root for you. You're from the fucking curse town. But I was like, do something that makes me actually like you instead of <laughs> soliloquying in the fucking witch's cavern. And also, this movie really started <laughs> to piss me off, actually, because I'm so fucking sick of the rich white assholes, which they even took it up a notch in this one, right? Whoever plays Sylvia, the the bully girl. Yeah, the girl from uh, Cruel Summer. The brother who becomes Sheila. the mayor. Yeah. yeah, they're all horrible. Now, horrible Cruel shit, Summer, now on, now on Hulu, every ad. Now on Hulu, yeah. yeah. There, you go. <laughs> there you go. Fuck. <laughs> Not killing any of these people was infuriating. It's It's hard for me to watch. When they killed the only kid in the movie who I fucking loved was Are we Jeremy. talking about the the jailer? Nerdy. Yep. I jail. fucking love that kid. And he he had this kind of like bravery about, hey, do you guys want some refreshments? He's still shooting his shots. Yeah. And so they great. talk shit to him and throw eggs I at agree. him. I was like, you fucking assholes. Fucking they fucking killed him. Shit. They so... off screen killed him too. He didn't even have the dignity to you die can't, on screen. You could not have shown that kid getting the because the, the first kill in the witch's mark, I mean, that's like a full-on double axe wound. That was awesome. It was hard way. to watch, right? That was you can't awesome. do that to the little kid. But I was like, stop killing Jeremy. Stop going into the, you know, cabin where it's the one black kid and the one <laughs> Latina girl <laughs> and murdering them when there's all these fucking hateable rich whites everywhere. That's this is a target-rich environment, as they say in video games. I, I, and it I'm pissed me just, off. Jump right into the only thing that, like actively made me mad and i thought they were gonna do it and i was gonna give them so i was gonna give them so much fucking credit and then they didn't do it and i was <laughs> furious i was so pissed when it was done in i mean like i still love the movie but like i thought because i know in in 1994 or whatever the the previous one they talk about how uh not sadie sink's character i guess is like the only survivor which mm -hmm. is not even true there's like a lot of people that survived this camp <laughs> Yes. But they make a big That's deal true. There's out of a whole her... school bus full. There's like an entire school bus worth of children to survive this. They make a whole big deal about her being the sole survivor. And I and for a minute I thought because I mean these movies are brutal, I thought they were going to put all of the kids in a mess hall and then he was going to go into the mess hall and just fucking run rampant. And I was like, "Do it. I want to see you kill yes. four I want to see you kill 40 campers in like a 30 second period just like boom 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 child murdering." And yeah. then it didn't happen, and I was like, well, okay, I guess, you know, like... Hearing I'll you make 10. these pleas with that background is startling, to say the least. Yeah, for real. I, I it's, just... a, it's a grand juxtaposition here. <laughs> I'm, I mean, the, the, the fucking thing was that they were, like, you know, turning it up to 11, like... And I was like, I just want to see the big, tall jock kid with an axe just mowing down fucking camp yeah. counselors in like yeah. in mass. Like, give me the Friday the 13th I've, I've wanted for the last yeah. 10 years. Well, it's the Freddy versus Jason scene. Yeah. Just well, it, brutalizing them. It, yeah, was peculiar. it was peculiar to me, the choice of like, because like, yes, there were plenty of. There were some counselors that died, but like, I feel like going after like just regular campers. You know, of course, Jeremy. It's just like one of those things. Was like, I get like for me from like a storytelling perspective, it's about not making anybody safe. But like, we already knew that. We saw one of these already. Like, we already knew no one was going to be safe. Like, there's nothing about this that made me think like, other than Ziggy. By the way, this is a thing that I didn't understand. Sorry, I I'm skipping. But like, yeah, no, I know what you're gonna say. 
Did anyone was anyone under the impression that Ziggy wasn't the one? Did anyone think it was her sister? No. I that there was, was the, no point in time. The most obvious reveal of all. It was time. like the wor- sorry. That was like the worst reveal ever. I'm like <laughs> well, obviously. I, I I like IMDb'd it and it was like okay wow I thought say I thought the Sadie Sink is is the girl from Stranger Things right. and I was like yeah. oh I thought she would play the character that lives and then I read like the character names and was like oh it's the other one but they do like a switcheroo which I'm just like. I'm like, is the young cop kid just fucking with him when she's like, what's yeah. my name? And he just says the wrong name. Like, why? What's the point? It was Also, uh, yeah. this one gets into there's a real strange because in the first one, 94, right? Again, it's that, you know, this is not how any of this works. Science of I'll drown you in the lobster tank and EpiPen you to life. Fine, right. whatever. At least you're trying to make sense of this. Am I to believe that the serial killing milkman? <laughs> can't tell if her heart stopped beating and then if it did i don't think you can just like mouth to mouth her back any it, it felt lazy it's it felt not lazy i would i would say it's not even that actually and this is the one part I, I i really did love this movie but this is the huge umbrage i took is like we all watched her sister get brutally murdered and then her also get brutally murdered like not just yeah. like a slice yeah. or anything like that not one like, of those things stab, like, oh yeah like anybody would pass out like that's from shock she was stabbed multiple times and it was like CP like rudimentary CPR that brought her back to life. I'm like, <laughs> well, no, maybe sorry, not, maybe not though. Right. And I'll get to that bit in a minute, but what I think, I think this movie has, again, I think it just kind of fell a little flatter than 94 as far as the casting, because I think this movie desperately needed us to buy into someone. And I think that was a, a falsely earned moment, right? It's the new Disney model. Every Disney movie I watch with my kid, someone in the main group dies and then is brought back to life five minutes later. So we're supposed to sit there and be like, oh, an emotion. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, thank God, Olaf's back, you know, in the least (laughs) shocking return from the grave of all time, you know. And it's it's just it's it's bad storytelling. It's really bad storytelling. You don't believe that this death will matter or that this relationship mattered at all. Right. Which is how I felt the whole movie. I was like, as sisters, they were a zero. Uh, the girl who kept calling her a narc, zero. Right? Her stoner boyfriend, zero. I was like, where am I getting any of this? And I thought maybe Cindy, right? The main girl could have maybe. But then it's like, do we want to root for the narc? Who's like, people are on drugs. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know. It was, a strange, it was a strange mix. But I think that ending beat was just lazy and bad. You know, I think it, cause they wanted that like little Da Vinci God in his creation pointing fingers at each other moment. Yeah. And they absolutely did not earn through storytelling. <laughs> All I know is that like I'm, I feel like Thanos right now where I'm like collecting infinity stones. But it's like slasher movies that like brutally kill that actor Drew Sheed. Or it's like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like we got Halloween where he gets piked and then this they fucking cut his head off. He popped up in Mayor of Easttown for a second. And like I turn to my girlfriend, I'm just like, there he is. That's that fucking kid. He's just like he plays yeah. the same kid in every. He's like this generation, Stephen Tobolowski. Like he's just yeah. like, so going to be. In <laughs> he's every the soon to be corpse actor. Yeah, it's Drew Sheed. He's going to get fucking. You know, like ten years from now, he's still going to be playing a teenager, being like cut up and. Yeah, yeah. I it's, actually it's, thought uh, he would have a bigger part in this movie when he showed up, specifically mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and then yeah, they just fucking lop his head off and throw him down the shitter. Just down. No one thought they like. Why are we building shitters on these moss-filled caverns? I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of weird things that happen in this movie. It's fun. Uh, yeah, that. But that's another thing. Getting back to what I was saying about why this movie I think was harder for me to watch and pissed me off. 
I was thinking back to the slashers I used to love growing up. And those were all, like you said, horny teenager and college age kids. And all the actors were actually like 28-year-old women and men, right? <laughs> so they didn't look like kids getting slaughtered. Yeah, I think that just going after disadvantaged kids <laughs> is a fucking insane choice. And it's I know they're, they're hammering home this idea of the curse and the unfairness of it. Yeah. But I was like, I think you proved your point. And now you're yeah. just like rubbing our noses in it. It's, yeah. It's getting now obnoxious. I think of it, they pretty much just killed Shady Siders in this. I think they? I think that's all they're allowed to kill. Yeah. I think in both movies, except for Peter does get it got in the first one, right? Yeah. Right after he makes that joke about how she swallowed some Sunny Vale, he's like, Ugh. and then he gets stabbed. I think he's the only rich kid who gets it murdered. It is in weird to me. Like I, I was trying to, f and I mean, again, this might be what we get from 1666, which is the last one. But like that was my also. I, was, I had the same thing. I was like. How come, like, everyone who clearly is downtrodden and needs this camp is, like, totally getting, like, a random comeuppance for no reason, but, like, everybody yeah. else, and, like, and that's the thing, I like, I, like, I went to summer camp, like, I loved Color War, like, I, that shit was awesome. But that was like the other. It takes on a different just, tone though when Sunnyvale's just all rich white people. It does. Like yeah. that, was like, but that was my other thing. Is I was. Just I was like, like, what's about to happen in this? Episode? That was actually the thing I was like watching. I was like, there's a level of discomfort I have now, having known it's called color war. Yeah, I like, never went to camp. I didn't know that was a real thing. I thought oh, that really? was an intentional, like yeah. reminding us of the economic. Oh no, that's divide. a real. That's a real thing. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Also, yeah, no, I mean, you're you're not you're not wrong, and I do, and like, I'm not, I don't want to sound down on this movie because I really enjoyed it, but like, I also there were like moments where I was like, whoa, that's a strange choice, and just like knowing people with depression and kind of people that have sort of family hardships, when uh, Ryan Simpkins character, uh, the punk girl, like mm -hmm. her, and obviously spoilers, but like when she when and you know she's about to die because she like you said she starts monologuing but she's like you know i've been trying to kill myself since i was 12 you know my parents have a horrible time and she's like i'm going to get out of this and they just immediately fucking kill her i was like that is like a bold and sort of like i feel like i felt like dirty about that i was like yeah. she's like i've been trying to kill myself since i'm 12 but i'm still here and then they she gets fucking murdered it's like i don't feel i'm not i'm not satisfied by that i feel like that character maybe shouldn't have died <laughs> or at you least know? maybe give her a noble death. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like like I think a lot of, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I have a personal relationship to that too. Right. And how that one was weird for me as well. And I was like, I don't need her monologuing, give her some kind of moment, right. To make a, an actual contribution. Right. Cause she starts right. buying in and once they buy in and the teamwork of the witch, right. You know, and they do their Sunnyvale Unite. They talk it out, you know, about the past snitching, whatever. That's when I started to like her. I was just starting to be like, okay, now we got something going on here that's not just this repetitive, like, name calling. And I'm with you. I thought that was kind of mean. Well, not only mean, it just felt weak, right? Like, everything about this movie is fucking <laughs> unrelenting meanness. Yeah, it's just a yeah. mean-spirited movie. And they both are, which is really, I mean, you rarely see horror movies today that are this mean, right? Like, a lot of movies have, like, kills and this and that. But this movie actively feels like it was written by Sarah Fear, and she hates Shadyside. Like, she treats the characters with such fucking disdain. Talking and I think that's it, the weird thing of the, I, I can't talk, I mean, I can't talk you out of it. I wonder, 
have they gone overboard with reminding us of the curse nature? Nah. No. Give, you don't think give so? It to me, man. No, we the thing is I just feel like and and like look, I I as a viewer I'm like, "Oh, this is, you know, this I feel kind of dirty about that." But like that's the kind of shit that we're always asking for. We're always asking for studio films to do something mean and sort of un unexpected and so like I can't harp on this one for just being unrelentingly mean. I mean, yeah. my girl my girlfriend's was literally as we were recording this. Uh she's rewatching the first one. And I, I popped in at the part where they're at the, the vigil and Dina is kind of heckling Sam about having a boyfriend. And Sam's like, you dumped me. And she's like, how does your boyfriend touch you and shit? And I'm like, these, these characters are all horrible. But like, but like the thing is, I like that. I, I like that they actually did something instead of just giving us like the same like stock fodder characters. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll take this. Like, fuck it. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the... It's actually the strength, one of the strengths that this series is doing better than most is like, I, I, I think that actually the meanness that you're referring to, to be honest, you isn't surprising with me because when you watch movies of that time, I mean, they're all like that. Like only recently have we seen movies that are like, when people are like really mean like that, it seems uncustomary and like, Jesus Christ, that person really deserves to get like axed in this one. I don't. I got to be honest, like we've watched so many movies like this for this podcast. All of them have that tone of like, man, it's okay to be like completely shitty right now because yep. X, Y, and Z. Like that to me is like actually a big nostalgia factor when I was watching this and do 94. You, do you feel it all though? When you're, Cause like if you watch something like Friday or the Halloween sequels or the burning or, you know, sleep away camp, any number of these. I feel like they don't invest any time in those characters trying to make us care about them, right? They give us yeah. these very simple plots, yeah. right? It's you do the I want to get laid. Sure. Oh, I'm the guy who takes care of the kids, whatever. I think this one is it's this extra layer and maybe I don't know, maybe I'm backtracking what I said because I guess if it feels that mean you have to somewhat be invested in the characters. Right? Cuz maybe that's yeah. why I like yeah. the burning doesn't feel mean to me because they might as well be killing props. Right. Yeah. You know, like none of those are like real human beings. Maybe the shady side curse thing is just creating this empathy. Well, so while I'm not necessarily I mean, latching on the characters up here, I feel like it's being extra mean. Maybe I that's think right. this one really crystallized the empathy. Well, you're talking about, because again, like we were talking about, like there are no Sunnyvale kids that seem to have gotten fucking just totally massive. Okay, so what Josh was talking about with the 40 kids in the mess hall. Also, I was like, if there was a movie that was going to do that scene, this felt like the one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I am I hoping. Yeah, exactly, I, right? When we have the like the, 3D, the white dude, lynch mob yes. that we've seen in the bum, like bum, next bum, bum. on, that's what I'm talking Yeah, just murders everywhere, right? So in the yeah. next one, we see like all these like white lynch mobs everywhere in the town square. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping this ends with a righteous. We just see like 100 dead Sunnyvale people to try to tip the balance. <laughs> and I guess it's weird to be saying I want more dead people, period. But I feel like some of these rich pricks have to get it because that's yeah. how it's weird. Because I think in America, right, we all have this notion that we're soon to be rich. Right. Like our whole world is built on this. You know, someday we'll be with them. Right. We'll be millionaires, one percenters, John Hughes characters, whatever. Right. 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 But also, when we watch movies, we are so trained to hate rich people. And this movie is just this constant. It's, it's, it's like something's itching you and you can't scratch it. Yeah. yeah. And I just kept waiting for someone to fucking die. 
Yeah, give it to give it just. I mean, that honestly, like the more you sort of talk through it, the more I'm like, okay, I kind of see what you're doing. It's like you're waiting for like the rich kids that are talking about like the, the you know they they never get what they deserve. It's like they don't, they don't, and it's super unsatisfying. And I think that's actually like, especially like talking it through. I think that's actually like a pretty poignant point that like they don't, they don't, they don't, they fucking, you know, they they are like get to the bus you know and we'll be there in a second and when they go the rich people just fucking dip out and leave yeah. the you know leave the downtrodden to just get like brutally fucking you know blonde yeah. boyfriend murdered well how about the the girl who fucks the soon-to-be mayor right and yeah. he's just like it's- gross you smoke pot don't tell anyone i did this or i'll kill you <laughs> right and, and it's just this like she is just a human masturbation sock right yeah and he's like be gone less than and she just walks out and gets fucking hit with an axe, this brutal axe shot. And yeah. you're like, this is so off. <laughs> like, yeah, she committed child. the horror movie sin of sex and drugs, but he should get it too. That's how you do that scene. He's supposed to get it also. Now he drives back into town and we can assume he will get tons of accolades for saving 30 children and that boost him to yeah. being a mayor. And he's I mean, just again, a sack just, of shit. It- it's true, but that's like it re it I mean, you didn't need any more justification, but like it just keeps villainizing these people who like don't give a shit about anybody but like other like it's rare. And I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen movies like this in a long time where just like, oh, we don't cross that side. We don't cross the train tracks that side of town. Right. Like, it's just not yeah. a genre. Th- it's just not a genre trope that I think we see a lot anymore because like. I mean, to be honest with you, like, every place sucks. So, like, there's no place that's just like, hmm, well, these people are clearly very rich and these people are clearly very poor. Like, there's no, like, for me, I've not seen that in a lot of movies in a long time. But, yeah, like, him becoming a hero and, yeah, like, her getting murdered because she's a stupid hippie is, like, you know, it's pretty customary in a lot of these movies. But <laughs> I also think that it is But he didn't weird- get murdered. Yeah, no, he, he has to get she it did. if it's going to play like the old ones. I think him not yeah. getting anything, well, this is like the constant, that's like... The, that's what's different about these, is like yeah. the people who should totally get it don't, and I wonder if they, like you were saying, if they are saving all that shit for the next one. I, Doesn't I Sylvia say, in the bathroom, she just runs out, right? Mm-hmm. She just escapes yeah, into it, the night. Like our horrible, I'm going to light you on fire after my boyfriend fucking Legion of Doomed you in the woods. And, no, she gets out. She gets out on the bus. Yeah, she's just gone. And yeah, as it's, I, it's little things like that that just are. I mean, it's building up in me. And I'm like, they have to come because I was like, what do they do in part three? Right? We defeat the witch. We write the history, and they come back. And now the Sunnyvale bullies we've met are homeless people. Like, what are they going to do to like write this cosmic scale for me? I don't know. Unless they're, unless they're just making a point. I, I will say what. I mean, that's true. Knows. But that, I mean, that's actually a pretty heady move for something like this. I mean, what Dan Dino was saying, like, I, uh, I, again, I like, I'm watching these with my girlfriend and her little brothers, and they're 16 and 17. And the 16 year old, midway through the movie, was he, he was like, this is like greasers and soches. Yeah. Which one totally caught me off guard because I just don't like. Most, yeah. I just don't expect 16 year olds to pick up on that. And Are they like, still they doing the outsiders and freshman English? What's up? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. But I was, I, I was like, wow. I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. I was kind of impressed that he brought that up, but it is, I think it is, it's still interesting. And I think where we're like culturally looking at, you know, 
right now the United States is kind of in a class war. Like, um, yeah, it's wow relevant. Yeah, no, I I think it's again it's these movies do such a good job of like where Stranger Things I think kind of falls flat for me is this like reliance on a lot of nostalgia and a lot of vibes like that what both these movies have done now is not done any of that. Like these are two genres we're very familiar with. And what I love about both these movies is that the reliance on the reliance on nostalgia is almost non-existent in a lot of ways. Like there's not this, Mm -hmm. like there's not a joke. There's not this like in joke, the whole entire movie about like, Oh, remember that? Yeah. Like it's the seventies. Like it's like, yes, it's 1978. That's all I got. Like, I don't know what else you want me to do. Like, there's a and like it's literally totally reserved for and I agree the much lesser uh, obligatory needle drops in this one, which I, they're still good. Yeah. Like all of yeah. them were great for me, but you know, I, there's like I mean you know they they talk about Stephen King and they talk about Carrie, but I never felt like I just felt like that's like yeah kids would fucking be talking of course about they would yeah King. like it's not like they have a fucking you know like a. I I get really irritated when I see like John Carpenter's a thing posters around. I'm just like yeah. kids kids wouldn't kids wouldn't have that. It's not it's not no. cool. Yeah. But like that hadn't hit yet. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm being I don't feel like I'm being poked in the ribs every time something comes up that's like specific to yeah. the 80s or the 70s. Like there's no point like there's no point and it happened in 94 too. Like I like that these movies are just existing on their own as movies and not mm. trying to be like remember how great that was and I'm like well, I didn't experience getting murdered at camp, so no, I don't remember that. But like, <laughs> I appreciate that they're also not like saying like, remember how cool these movies were? Like, Lee Janik is literally just making a great slasher movie. Yeah, and, and it moving on. It, this did this gave me what I wanted. I mean, because you know, Friday the Thirteenth has been stuck in you know legal hell. Like, this gave me the Friday the Thirteenth that I wanted. Totally. It gave me that same vibe. And I got to say, before we move on, while I remember it, like Lee Janik's like mise-en-scene is just like incredible. Like awesome. it's so it's so welcoming to see a young director. I mean, I think I think she's 40, uh, but yeah, young and young in her career, you know, so like which honestly, like I'm saying that as like a quote unquote young director, like I think I think 40 is like a perfect time to start directing because you've kind of soaked it all in. Um mm-hmm. But, like, as, like, a young director, she, like, is using blocking and, like, actually, like, you know, moving people to and fro within the camera. Like, the the movement in this is incredible. It's not just, like, cut, 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 no. cut. They're actually, like, staging, which is super impressive. And between this and A Quiet Place 2, those are two movies that are, like, going back to sort of the old way of doing it. And I really hope we see more of that because I feel like movies yeah. have just gotten really ugly and just, like, un... They, they just don't – doesn't work the way it used to. There's no yeah. – yeah. Well, especially when you're making a movie that is set in the 70s, this felt very much of that era, right? Those yeah. movies were cut a little more, you know, plotting, right? For lack of a better word, not as an insult. That's just how it was. It oh, was yeah. this long fuse on a very explosive end a lot of times. Um, all right, so what, now moving on, right, there are two more things I really want to get to. What did you guys make of the uh, supernatural elements of this film, right? So moving forward, right, we see the the name in the stone, right? We see the witch's house, right? So this is where we see the stone that was writing names in the last one. Uh, this is where we see that Sarah Fear made her deal with the devil and scarred mm-hmm. the land, right, which made this little maze. 
with this gnarly, amazing beating heart in the middle. See, that's oh, the yeah. shit that yeah. this. That's when I was like, oh hell yeah, because that's yeah. just such a weird, awesome. It felt very much like something you would see in a, an R.L. Stein book. Just like, mm-hmm. here's what you think you're doing. What the fuck is that? And it was yeah. really awesome, right? So I loved once we got to this beat. Uh, Alex, why don't you start? What did you make of the uh, the addition of the supernatural in this one and how it's getting us closer to the ultimate mystery of Seraphir? Oh, I loved it. I mean, like, this is like, that's the level up that I was looking for. Because, like, the last one was very much like this reactive supernatural element, like, Every every member of the cast was just like trying to figure out what was going on, and I think this is what's so great about this one is we spent enough time in the cave where we got all this research and all this like what otherwise could be like really boring exposition like in '94. We got a really fun version of it in '78, and like you, that's when you go back and watch '94. You're like, oh shit, now I know all these things. But like, I I loved all of that. Like every beat of that every beat of those moments in that cave and in that little hole in that whole little thing and yeah like the beating heart in the middle i was just like oh yeah this is my jam dude like right here is where right like this is just like my beating heart i'm like yes bring me more of this (laughs) awesome it might as well have been a throbbing erection for you huh (laughs) what can i say what can i say (laughs) cgi cgi pulse pulsating cgi it's a very different movie they just come around the corner like ooh. (laughs) <laughs> what, did, what did you make josh of uh this section of the film i i i i just i mean i i'm down for the whole thing and i, I think one of the things i really liked with this and uh i think just sequels in general is that it really builds off of the first one and like it makes me like the, the first one a little bit more by and vice versa i think you could i think it'd be fun to like watch them in the reverse order mm-hmm. yes but like with this it's like there's they were doing things and i was like oh no i already know like pieces of that because it's already been established in the first movie so you're like ahead of the characters which was fun i really like uh the the i can't think of the character's name but the the kid who's the the kill the nightwing killer uh, i like tommy, imme- tommy slater yeah i immediately knew because he you know he's running around and whatever he's he's not even starting to show possession yet but he like grabs the jacket, the flannel jacket, and is just holding it. And I'm like, oh fuck, yeah. okay, that's gonna yeah, be yeah. him. And it was so satisfying. And I remember just it just got like a big fucking smile on my face because I was like, that's that's him. But you know it before, yeah, everybody. And I, I think that like a lot of this, a lot of my like my gripes. I mean, one, it's a book based off of a like teenage young adult horror series so like like i told them like i said in the previous episode like i'm not gonna tear right. this apart like ah no. uh, yes after 300 years the skeleton hand is is buried one foot deep in the mall tree <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think that was super clever <laughs> i just was i just was like nobody like when they were building the mall they weren't like there's a fucking hand here <laughs> <laughs> some guy's just like ah fuck it my lunch is only 20 minutes <laughs> kicks it back yeah. in that's a lot of nonsense yeah the yeah. whole mall around it they're like this is a that, good fucking tree that kind of stuff right and i think the beginning and the end of the film really suffer from this a lot where it just felt very lazy right because the opening of the film is the same thing right so we see c bergman there's all these alarm clocks there's a, a whiskey and microwave mac and cheese dinner and i was like yes i'm liking this like whatever they're doing with her i'm really interested yeah and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door right and she's scared and then the kids break into her window and she sees it's the kids and it's supposed to be a moment of tension i was like 
did they not think to be like, hey, we're the fucking kids you just called? Like, they didn't say that through the door or knock. It's just like, it's this false horror movie shit that they do. Right? Also, Dina was stabbed in the stomach, so she's like, shouldn't be. Yeah, she's really dead. recovering. I guess, I guess in Fear Street, yeah, abdomen wounds don't count, right? As we've learned. But no, that's, that's one of those leg. things where I was like, that felt very yeah, lazy. Legs. The... Broken legs also like, hey, you can still yeah, use Yeah, she's like, like, I can still stilt. hop around on a broken leg. I was like, what? Like, let's, just, let's just set this. Just like, yeah. click. This movie came out as a direct fuck you to Conor McGregor. <laughs> Dude, unbelievable. But that's what I mean. There's just like lazy shit at the, those end caps that kind of bothered me. You know, just like, yeah, the, the hand in the mall. And then she runs out. And we'll get to the the very ending, but it, it felt that part I was a little disappointed in. I was like, if you're gonna run these, because that's one of the questions I was left with is why are they doing this in reverse order, right? There has to be some payoff or reason to do that. Mm-hmm. And that part of it just felt like they just threw it in afterwards, right? And it that yeah. that kind of was sad to me. But yeah, I really in- like the uh, the addition of this supernatural and seeing the kind of state that Seraphir must have been in and what happened. So I think it's set up for this really fun stuff. To your point, when she's scrubbing the floor the first time and rips the sponge in half, when she goes in the closet and we first see Nurse Lane walk past, she grabs the burlap sack that later is used to choke him. And I was like, ooh, you know, same thing as you. I thought all that was really fun, right? And I really liked Nurse Lane, though. She was the character I thought they utilized the best in this one, right? I thought that story was great. Go ahead, Alex. She hasn't. Sorry, yeah, I'm glad you brought her up because I was like, I hope we don't go this entire pod without talking about Nurse Lane. Cause, and like, let me ask you real quick, because in part one, when they dropped the two girls that were drug sorting, right, yeah. who we see as ghost in the cave, didn't she drop them off with Mrs. Lane? Yes. That Is was that the nurse? Yes. It's the same woman. She hasn't that's aged. That's horrifying. But that's, <laughs> that's the other horrifying. thing, though. She hasn't <laughs> aged. Like, it was driving me nuts. I'm like... She I didn't looked, know if that was the same actress or another looked, descendant it was the of the same Lane. actress. But I'm she looked the exact yeah. same way she did in 78, she did in 94. And I'm like, what's what? going on here? Yeah. Strange. But anywho, go ahead on Miss or, uh, Nurse Lane, Alex. Oh, that was like my big thing is I don't know if she's real. Like, I know she's real, but I'm having trouble. Like, she looks the she's not aged between 94 you think and she's 78. still touched on the curse. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like, I don't well, maybe know. That's what why the, those two girls were ghost in the cave vision. Maybe they and when got... we cut back to Mrs. Lane's house, she's fucking done a number on him. Right. It is strange that no one would know that their neighbor was. Yeah, exactly. You two background she's, people. She, yeah, she's <laughs> she's sunny. She's sunny soul jacks. Them. She's just like, eating a giant bowl of spaghetti and making you choose. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that I mean, that's a that's another one of these weird moments where you're like, why is this lady allowed to work at this camp? There's right. a lot of these things that I feel like are going to click into place at the end, right? And the mm-hmm. curse kind of explains away a lot. But I thought her as the person who's going out and trying to solve this on her own and taking this job at the camp and doing all – I thought that was really cool, right? There's I this like that a lot. tragic yeah. sadness of the the futility of these journeys, right? And we just saw one in the first movie and this. I thought that was really cool. And she's like, either way, you're going to die tonight. And she's just about to kill this fucking kid. Right. And when the cop just reduces it to she was crazy just like her daughter, it's so fucking hard to watch. It's so sad, man. You want to, you know, help this lady out. But I thought I thought that was a really good emotional beat they dropped there at the start of the movie. No, I agree. I, I, th- I think that's a nice – it's a great inclusion. It's a great beat. Like, I, 
I like there's so many fun things that are happening. I mean, fun is like a weird word to use because these are all murders, but like <laughs> there are so many things that are happening that I feel are gonna get paid off, oddly yeah. enough, in a movie that takes place in sixteen sixty six. And I think that's the thing I find most intriguing about because I agree, like I thought a lot about like the release order, like why are we starting at ninety four? So I, I, I like, though, that, like, so much hinges on really us watching this last one. Like, yeah. I think this does a great job of being the middle ground between these two movies. So that makes the last one that much more important, that much more interesting to watch because there is so much to still comprehend regarding this. Okay, before we do the the possibly next on, right? Right, yeah. I want to talk about Sheriff Good. Because I think this movie man. is... I think this movie is exclusively telling us that he is in on this and that he's somehow the, the agent of evil, right? In this, this, uh, modern version of the witchcraft and all that. Did you guys pick up any of that? I just was so like, by the end of it, I know they just like set him up and like, I thought that actor was like really, he was really good. I, I really, and I was just like, you motherfucker, like you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. And and I that, and now that you when you were talking about it earlier, I was trying to figure out if he was Shady Side or Sunnyvale, um, because yeah, it was just like you you fucking asshole, you saw all of this shit, and then just like <laughs> like well, you're the future chief of police, He's like well, I guess I can't be you know tell the right. truth as he tells us he wants to be the guy who likes the weird girl and reads Stephen King and shit, and then no, change their name. Yeah, there's a weird moment in there, right when they're in the like bug barn or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting there and she's, you know, who are you? And he kind of brushes past like his dad was the king of Sunnyvale. You are the heir to the throne and legacy, which feels really weird that someone can just be like granted the chief of police when they're like 15. Right. And so yeah. you're like something's off. But then later when he comes back in and all the people have been murdered and they're talking about whose blood's on each other. Right. He says, I'm sorry. I know I've let a lot of people die tonight. And I think if you that's really good writing, right? Because on the surface, I think it's insinuating, right? He feels like he has a protector complex. Right. I think he's the one who's been going down into that cavern and fucking around. Hmm. Right? I think he's the one who's been hmm. in there with the candles and doing all of this bullshit. I think he's directly responsible for this slaughter. Well, right? they're gonna give him a redemption. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I think I, he's going to be the agent because that, again, is a very R.L. Stein thing. I might be trying to read the tea leaves as someone who read a lot of these books. That feels like that's and also his name being good. Yeah, I was the, like, once I saw the spelling, I was like, come on. Yeah, he's going to be probably pretty his important. his relative is going to be the fucking Norwegian metal preach preacher that we saw the drawing of. is my <laughs> theory. Well, they have another one, right? So there's the moment when his brother comes out from getting WAP. And he's just like, oh, he has no shirt on. And he sees his brother and he sees him covered in blood. And he has this reaction. I can't remember if he said, did you kill someone or did you do this? The blonde haired brother believes in his mind that his super goody two shoes brother could have done this. I was like, ah, is there something he's known in the past? There's some kind of dark family shit that's hiding right under the surface. It's a good drop. I I would agree with that. Yeah. Hmm. The name. Dude. the I did just realize. For me. Yeah, I also did just like realize that like uh, that which is called Sarah Fear, and then the series is called Fear Street. Fear, 
fear. <laughs> Wait, you didn't put that together? Whoa. No, I just. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is the kind of deep hitting analysis that we do here on this. Like, hold on. Yeah, well, I think they're going to change their name. Their family name will become good after they kill their relative, Sarah Fear, whoever, right? Is how I'm going to guess this thing plays out. I would buy that. Because there is this strange, because there's another moment, too, at the end, right? He's the one who saves uh, Ziggy from her many injuries. I wonder if he somehow is able to make a pact with these dark forces. Right, because we see that uh, Tommy, when he pushes her out of the way, right? Tommy hits the sheriff in the leg with an axe. Yeah, yeah, and then pulls the axe out and walks right past him to go get Ziggy. Right. Yeah. Now, is this just because he's Sunnydale, or is that because he's also not only Sunnydale but part of the the machinations of how this well, is going down? Oh yeah, I was gonna say they're after Ziggy because she bled on the thing, but that comes later. Yeah. Yeah. This one doesn't have his exact of a line and why they're killing these kids like ziggy essentially yeah. has no nothing to do with any of this unless yeah. you believe that nick good is somehow attached to her and that's why she's a target i don't know i don't, I don't know if i go that far but i definitely see this ending up being like he's sarah fears like ancestor because i mean and for me like a lot of that has to do with and again, I didn't read these books, but like R.L. Stein is noted. I, I've like when I've read R.L. Stein, other R.L. Stein books like Goosebumps, he's very good about dropping like literary hints and like historical hints. So like the fact that the guy's name is Sheriff Good, spelled with an E, automatically makes me think of the you know Salem witch trials and witch all that shit. Yeah. So like I'm automatically assuming like oh Goody Goody Proctor like that kind of thing. Like he also yeah. doesn't seem very upset at the the murder scenes in part one, right? And well, he that's, would say he's just a grizzled that's, sheriff, that's, but well, yeah, that's, that's more like I know what's happening. Or is that that's these just... are the blood sacrifices that he has to keep perpetuating so that the balance can be maintained? Uh, I don't know. Is he the hand of the witch? Is he the think... one who's got to get thrown in the grave? Boom! I, I solved it. He's the fucking good. hand of the witch, and he's got to get buried with her, and that's how this will end. In the mall, Vegas odds. Yeah, we got to bury him by Orange Julius. And the curse is lifted. <laughs> While this... Cindy Lopper needle drop plays. Girls just want to have fun as every woman in the movie takes a shot at the sheriff. What kind well, of needle drop? If that happens, you heard it here first. <laughs> we about to ask it... what kind of needle drops we're going to get in 1666. Yeah, yeah. Like, just like, what are we going to... I'm going to go with we... a lot of... I'm going to go with a lot of Rachmaninoff. That's probably going to be the big Season one. Season of the Witch by Donovan, like... Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be Lords of Salem style modern songs. There actually is a there's a YouTube channel that's very popular with this lady just redoes modern songs, but is a medieval folk. Yeah, like, it's going to be a lot of that. Um, It's going to be a lot of that like Westworld type thing where they like recontextualize. Or there's no be way all, we're not going to get needle drops, right? Or it'll just be an entire thing of like dream theater. That's what they'll do. Yeah. Like oh, now long. we're talking little dream theater. Give they go that. down in the witch's scar and they just find the fucking first guitar. Give me 1666 challenge. scored by Dream Theater. I'd be like, this is the Holy greatest shit. movie ever made. Okay, now I'm titillated again. All right, so let's talk about this, right? So the ending of the movie, by the way, you heard it. Sheriff Good is the hand that's got to get buried. Vegas odds, I want him. Uh, <laughs> so we see the next on, right? So Dina goes and delivers the hand to the 
the corpse that is buried very shallow. We saw that someone obviously removed the witch's body and left uh, the witch will live forever rock. Yeah. Not really explained why or who did that, right? So there is some kind of human interference, right, in the witch's haunting. So they take her from the tree where everyone knows she got hanged and buried her in a very shallow grave off Highway 5. Okay. When Dina connects the hand, she is transported into the body, being John Malkovich style, of Sarah Fear, holding a bloody knife, looking in the water, right? And then we get this splendid array of, uh, on Fear Street 1966, just this awesome, I mean, it it looks exactly like the witch movie I was yeah, hoping. it does. I was afraid it was going to look very kind of digital 90s throwback kind of thing. No, it looks and like it, it looks very much. It has of like its time, all right? those muted tones that yeah. you're kind of looking for for that kind of. But thing. But the weird thing, all the actors we've seen are back playing townsfolk. Yeah. In the ancient that. one. I now, hate see, it. this is what I'm wondering: is this? Are we to believe that this is her actually going back? Are these people stuck in some kind of hell dimension that they can't escape, and they're just reborn into this? Is that just like a stylistic choice they make, where she's going to see people in the past as her friends? What are you making this, Josh? I, I just hate it. I, I hate it. <laughs> I, I, I do. Really? And I just, I, I know I'm so, and like, I, I love this series and I'm so, I'm so, I, I don't want to sound down on it at all because I'm not, but I just don't give a shit. And I just think that like, make, if you're going to make a witch movie, it's like, if you're going to make a, kev- a 70s camp counselor movie, cast kids that look like they'd be in like the 70s camp counselor that are connected. Fucking fine. All the kids in 78 look like kids that were in Friday the 13th. It, it, I don't think these fucking teenagers look like they would be in a witch movie. Like that's what Robert Eggers, the witch did so well is that I believe all of those characters, including, I know Anna Taylor joy is huge now, but she wasn't right. And she, they looked like they belonged in that period. Now it just looks like a fucking CW show where it's like, look at all these beautiful fucking superstars. There was some definite C-dub vibes. And I just, I just (laughs) think I just don't, give a shit about it and like i don't know i yeah it's just it for me it's like not you want to do a 90 slasher cool they're 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 a dime a dozen they're fun i will never get tired of like meta kills you want to do a camp counselor slasher same thing like jason like the friday the 13th movies are great like i love them but like none of them are like you know it's not like the exorcist where it's like the exorcist is done now all the position movies are sort of just like they can't be better than right. that. Right. Robert Eggers did the witch. We have the crucible. Like, I just don't see it being, I'm just not as interested in it. It's like, I, we saw like the perfected version of that, like three or four years ago. I don't, I just yeah. don't care. Well, I'm going to say, actually, I think this is going to be the best one by a mile. I'm fucking <laughs> pumped for this one. And I think what we've seen is that they all have this extra supernatural element. So I think there's going to be a reason that we are seeing these kids past. It's not just like an anachronistic casting, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. But Alex, even past that, what do you make of the kind of setup that it looks like we're going? Why was Dina transported back when she connected the hand? Oh, I think we'll find that out. I mean, like, I I think that that's... (laughs) I mean, to be honest with you, I, I love it. Like, I think that's a great setup. Like, that's exactly what I want. And, like, 
what I'm i did not see happened. uh yeah john malkoviching us into the third movie that is not at either, all how i thought and this i was really going down. appreciate that that's the linkage and it's not just this history lesson you're like oh well there's nothing we can do about it like this is really a mission to actually undo something that was un- that was done before i i'm gonna go fuck cat- myself I think the casting, I do think the, I actually do think the casting is a little meta in that I'm wondering if that'll be Dina seeing these people, like rather than it being the actual people themselves. Yeah. Well, my theory is, is that Dina is going to go back, right? She has the knowledge of the present and I think she's going to use that to suss out whoever is fucking framing Sarah fear for what, what is happening. Right. right? I think what we're going to learn is that Sarah fear only became the witch once she was forced to become the witch. Right. right? Maybe which, she's a maybe she's like a good witch. I yeah. think someone else is doing all of this and then as she knows she's getting railroaded, that's when she makes her bargain, right? Maybe it's the nur- maybe it's the nurse's ancestor. Yeah, and maybe you find out that the goods, you know, they have used her as this, you know, weaponization of whatnot. That would fit very well with what the witch yeah, trials were. And so yeah. I think Dina with her advanced knowledge I still don't know why you cast the kids either, but I'm assuming I feel like this is the thing. And I feel like I was kind of mean to this movie. I still really enjoyed it. Right. Like, I think what's fun about this movie, because if you hate a movie, like a lot of the Netflix movies I watch, honestly, we just won't even record podcast on. because I don't think they even deserve a discussion most of the time. Right. I'm saying these things about the movie because I actually really liked Fear Street. Right. I think think it's a really good, fun series, you know. We're just having a discussion about some of its flaws, but that's what makes me excited for why 1666. I think they've done this with a lot of care and craft, and I'm assuming if that's how they chose to wrap this up, they've got some huge, awesome delights in store for us. I can tell you from a budget perspective, the reason those people were cast in 1666 is to save on casting. That is what what they got the two-for-one special. You know, they got their... their you can just quarter. shoot it in blocks, man. You it get makes that it so bogo? much easier for your schedule. <laughs> well, they did. I mean, they, they shot all three of these movies over yes. the course of one summer. And, like, you know, again, like, I get why they did it. I just am like... Yes, I, if you want the unsexy explanation from a production person, that is exactly why they did this. Thanks for that, well, Peter Jackson. We're over here pontificating. <laughs> You're yeah. giving us schedule updates. <laughs> it's the best. It's my job. I love it. <laughs> it's it's i want to make a quick aside real quick to talk about like what is like my probably my favorite aspect of the show and like what i'm super excited about uh caleb Heyman, the fucking cinematographer from this show that that guy is gonna be huge dude yes he did you guys see the mortuary collection yeah Mm -hmm. that movie rocks and it's beautiful the mortuary collection yes and i like i i found i watched it at fantastic fest two years ago and like uh the director ryan spindell was there and like we were talking about it and he sort of told me the budget of the movie and i was like very taken back because it's a lot smaller than you would like a lot smaller than you would think but the movie's super cinematic and like my biggest problem with most indies is, is that they all just look like shit and like it looks it looks great it's got great color it's got great like attention yeah. to to palette and tone and and then he he did uh, Caleb Heyman did Mortuary Collection and then he did this which I think that this looks incredible I think that this just yeah. has like a look that has been missing from movies for a while it's it's colorful but it doesn't feel like you know it doesn't feel like 
someone watching our Gento movie and was like, yeah. wow, look at the <laughs> color, colors. It now. feels yeah. like it's actually being lit rather than being lit on purpose. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's the way I, I don't know if the... I would say Fear Street 78 was an example of well lit. I couldn't see half Stop. of that fucking movie. <laughs> see, I, 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 I had to I rewind know what you're it three about, times I, to see. I, who I, saw, I saw it Ziggy. just fine. I didn't know that yeah. was the milkman. Cause I was like, you who's should, stabbing her? You might need, you might need to go to the optometrist. I, well, I had, I have my TV set on video game settings, so maybe mine's just darker. I guess I don't know, but you got high frame rate on, like <laughs> motion smoothing. Sorry, I, I got those headshot settings, man. I can't be trying to suss out who milkmen are. But, but, but the cool part is, and like again, I, I not to draw more comparisons between these two. Heyman is now shooting the fourth season of Stranger Things. So I'm like, that, that fucking season is going to look so good. Yeah. It's going to look so great. And yeah, I'm very excited for that. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about him because I think his work in both of these, they're very, they're like, it's like starkly different too, which is cool. Yeah, it really like, is. Like this, this I, I remember listening to an interview with Ty West a few years back, like 10 years back about, about House of the Devil. And he was like, I don't want to make a movie that takes place in the 70s. I want to make a 70s movie. And like, how's the devil's feel? How's the devil feels like that? Yeah. This movie for me felt like a like a Friday the 13th movie. Like you said, it didn't feel like cutesy in its nostalgia, just like mm -hmm. the way it shot everything. I felt like I was watching a, a, a modern day Friday the 13th. And I really yeah. loved that. And I, I thought that that was an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. Alex, what do you think? Final thoughts on uh seventy-eight. Uh yeah, I mean I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. I actually enjoyed it a little more than ninety-four. Um and uh, yeah, I mean to be honest with you, for and again, I'm I like trilogies. I like I like unifying themes, I like unifying stories. Um we'll see how a unifying cast goes. Um but like uh, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, though, I think that I, I thought it was an amazing I thought it was an amazing movie. Like, yeah. It was it was a blast. Like, it's a rewatchable movie. And I think for me very. personally, when it comes to this kind of this, these kinds of movies, that's very rare for me, at least. Yeah. Well, Alex, I know you're going to cry in the next movie when Dina wakes up as Sarah Fear and Josh just goes on your left. <laughs> merges back <laughs> in his pioneer clothes. But no, uh, I think this was a weird experience for me because I didn't dig it as much as 94. I didn't love the cast. I thought it was a really fucking mean-spirited movie. But, again, it's just there. there's so much more going on in this movie than I feel like the material even deserved, if that makes sense. Like, we're just getting a way better product yeah. than this has any right to be. I agree. Absolutely. I would, I would have loved to have seen this in a theater and not on my Netflix television. <laughs> Come back next week where that. me and Josh Part fight two. again about the theatrical experience. <laughs> I would have seen this in a theater too, mind you. Uh, yeah. I'm not against watching movies in my underwear either. So I, I just feel like I'm winning anyway. You can but do both. Thing, right? Yeah, I could do both, right? My, my it's all like anyone's in the theater. Yeah. You take your clothes off at the theater. Yeah. That was like, don't look at him. Don't acknowledge him. No. <laughs> but yeah, one, I mean, that's thing. the thing. I thought this was, it was all these things I didn't love, but. You start seeing something like the heart and the witch's mark, and there's this mythology to it. And I think the linkage with 94 did help me resonate with certain parts and got me through things I wasn't loving. You know, those little moments like what they did with Nurse Lane, right? There is yeah. a lot of heart going on, even if you're not buying in all the way. And I do. I think this one was a lot smoother. 
I think it's an excellent bridge. And again, I just seeing those flashes of 66, I feel like 66 is going to pay off in such a way that the next time I like this, it'll be, you know, 20, 25% better in my mind, right? Next yeah. time I watch it. And this, my hope is that, yes, this becomes a thing. And because I saw someone on Twitter is like, can we just get a Fear Street trilogy every summer? I think yeah. awesome. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, man. I'm So I think the movies are absolutely succeeding in my mind. I hope they are. Agreed. Uh, you know, whatever algorithm numbers they need to reach. <laughs> but I think it's just a fun experience. And it's uh, to Josh's point last week, it's fun to have something to look forward to. Yeah. And I really looked forward to this and me and my wife turned it on and she was absolutely horrified and furious at me. <laughs> but, you know, we had fun watching it. I, I, I'm glad that's back. Agreed. I'm I'm definitely going to like and the thing is like I again I sound really down on the sixteen sixty six one and like <laughs> I, I want more I want nothing more than to be like proven wrong. I want I want to come back onto the third part three. You're gonna this, love it, watch. Yeah, what? yeah, series and be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm in. Cause like for me that that would be that's like the sign of a win. Like mm-hmm. if I if on this next episode I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm down, like, you know, it's like I will gladly be wrong because yeah. I wanna be wrong. I wanna be wrong. I wanna go see something cool. Yes. I, I I don't know. This movie just feels so in my wheelhouse. I'm so excited for it. I think cool. it's and like I said, they just they seem like they put a lot more effort into this than I would have foretold, man. I, I have total confidence in this team to deliver us something amazing. I really You're do. telling me 20th Century Fox put more effort into their movies than Netflix did? Shock, fucking shocker of all shockers. Part yeah, two. For real. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah. Knows. Jesus. As long as Dean is not a clone of Palpatine or something, I think it's going to be a huge hit. <laughs> and even Disney. that was fine. Well, yeah, it was either here nor there. But okay, guys, that's it for Fear Street 78. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, Josh, thank you for making the time and come back. We hope you'll be back Thanks, for guys. 66. I, I, I will. Unless you just hate it and burn down your streaming box <laughs> and rage. You'll, you'll know that I was right if I'm not on the podcast. <laughs> Even if you hate it, come on and yell at us. It'll be a good you time. Come on and yell at us. We got to finish our journey together. Yeah. <laughs> theatrical, theatrical experience. Yeah, we don't want Josh to bread slice or a streaming box. We hope for the best. Uh, guys, stay tuned. Lots of good stuff. We're still in the midst of time travel week, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Fear Street 1966. Very excited. Bye, 1666, everyone. 1666, not 1966. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just adding sequels now because I didn't get the little bat kid. <laughs> yeah, you got for about two seconds, but...